This that gentleman, 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 yeah. This that gentleman, 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 gentleman. Start like twenty-three. Just that jumpman, 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 two four like OV. Just that jumpman, 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 shoot my shot, dance Just that jumpman, 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 right around swing my trees. Just that jumpman, 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 sunlight swing the trees. Just that jumpman, 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 two four like OV. Just that jumpman, 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 shoot my shot, dance Just that jumpman, 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 right around swing my trees. This is 1252 Sports Chicago. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Turtles Take right here on 1252 Sports Chicago. Vince, how we doing tonight, man? Good, man. I feel like I haven't been on for like a year. <laughs> it's been a while. We were off last week, so lots happened since then. We surely got a lot to talk about here tonight. Uh, thank you guys for joining us. We're going to be talking the NBA playoffs. Uh, we're going to touch on Pat Foley's last season as the Blackhawks announcer. Uh, we're going to go into the craziness that's going on in the MLB right now with Spider Tech and all that good stuff, as well as touch on the Bears, the Arlington Heights potential move, and... We'll talk a little bit of Justin Fields because that's everybody's favorite topic right now in the city of Chicago. So uh, with that being said, want to give a quick thank you to our sponsors, uh, Nick and Ivy Brewing out in beautiful downtown Lockport, Illinois. Make sure to stop out there and have a beer if you guys are in the area. They're the best. Uh, the Jonathan Darren team with the Coldwell Banker Real Estate Group, Mark Berardi and Associates, as well as the White Oak Farm Venue out in Michigan City, Indiana. None of this is possible without our sponsors, so just wanted to give those guys a quick shout-out before we get into it. We will also be joined tonight by our favorite UFC heavyweight, Lorenzo Hood, here around 7.30, 7.40 p.m. tonight. We're going to check in with him, see how his training's going, as well as get his opinion on some of the things that are going on here in the sports world. I can't wait to hear what he has to say about uh, that Logan Paul fight. I already know where you're going with that. I can't wait. <laughs> But with that being said, guys, thank you for joining us. So, Vince, I know the NBA playoffs are a fun time of year for you. You're a big basketball guy. So, first of all, I want to know, what's your opinion on Giannis and the Bucks now that they dethroned and injured Brooklyn? Giannis is trash. I Giannis is trash. Giannis. I feel like he's the most, like, unskilled big name in basketball. Like, what does he really do? Okay. They give him the ball. He squares up. He does that little step back, and he drives to the basket as hard as he can. And he's, like, got 7'10 wingspan, and he's just like, bloop. You know what it reminds me of? You remember the original Space Jam? Absolutely. Remember when Michael's running, and they grab him? The Monstars grab him around the waist? Yeah. And he's like, and Bugs tells him, you can do anything in Toonland. And his arm, like, stretches all the way to the basket and laser. 
That's yeah. what Giannis does every time down the court. He's just got freakishly long arms that can just reach the basket. Or he just gets fouled, and then he can't even make free throws. So it doesn't even matter if you foul him. I would foul the dude every time. I would have somebody on my team who doesn't normally play. They would they would play just to follow him every time he drove to the basket. Because think about you like, the next they play player, like right? six, seven, eight guys a game. Well, the, the other four guys, like if I'm the Nets, I'm, I would have been like, "Look, DeAndre Jordan, you want to play? You you want some <laughs> camera time? You gonna stand there and every time this dude drives, just whack him, hit him as hard as you can." Follow him as hard as you game. can. <laughs> yeah, you know, that is one thing. I do understand what you're saying there, but I just want to touch on Giannis is a horrible free throw shooter. I think we all know it. We've He's all garbage. We've all seen him stand at the line and get called for taking 12, 13 seconds because he can't get a shot in rhythm. I, I don't care who you are and what position you play in the NBA. It is unacceptable to not be able to make a free throw in the allotted time. Ben Simmons can't make a free throw. He's a fucking point guard. Ben Simmons. I'm glad you brought him up because I want to move away from Giannis real quick and go to him. Man, a lot of people here have been saying, oh, we could get him in Chicago. We could make a deal happen. I absolutely do not want Ben Simmons on the Chicago Bulls. Hell no. I heard somebody talk about Kobe White, Patrick Williams, and a future first-round pick for – Ben Simmons. Get the fuck out of here. I don't want Ben Simmons. I especially, don't want him. <laughs> I especially don't want him instead of those two guys. I'd rather have Kobe White's bad shooting ass out there. At least he shoots the ball. He's not afraid to shoot the ball like Ben Simmons. At least yeah, I mean, out. he can make some free throws. Patrick Williams, at least he plays you know, elite defense and can score a little bit. Like At least he can shoot a mid-range. Right, and that's one of the things we saw there in the playoffs with Ben Simmons was his inability to come through in the clutch moments. I think he shot maybe like two or three shots in the entire fourth quarter. Of, the the of last the series. game, four shots, the whole game. That's atrocious. The game seven was four shots. I mean, I've got to think you got guys in the G League that would be able to shoot better than that. You would much. think so. I mean, you're in, you're not even taking shots. Like, you know, especially him, he drives to the basket. I don't give a fuck. Dunk the ball. Lay it in. Right. Drive and do something. Drive and kick it. Do something. Don't just four shots the whole game as your team loses game seven. No, oh, it's man. absolutely atrocious. And, I mean, for guys to even think that we would want a player like that on the Chicago Bulls, you haven't been watching what the Bulls have been trying to develop. Between Ben Simmons and Giannis, it, it really, really, really stood out to me how many dumb basketball fans there are. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? So, like, okay, so the Nets series. And you know what? And you know what? a lot of it is these, these freaking LeBron lovers – they go out and they feel the need to try to diminish who Kevin Durant is just to make LeBron sound better. Like, I heard all these people coming on social media talking about, well, and you know what? It's not even them. You know what? It's Scottie Pippen's dumbass. Scottie Pippen's dumbass ain't that no better. Me. Did you hear his interview? I did, and it killed me. I mean, come on, man. Why would you what? even go out there and say, well, LeBron would have done it? Nobody fucking asked you about LeBron. They asked you right. about Kevin Durant. So all these all these basketball so-called basketball fans or true basketball heads talk about uh Kevin Durant showed he ain't he ain't shit. He couldn't beat him with an all-star team. What all-star team? Kyrie didn't play and Harden, Harden was wasn't hurt. even Harden. Harden was just a role player at that point. He couldn't even move. Every time he shot, he fell down. Right. So really quick on that, I would be of the opinion that Kevin Durant is one of the top three players in the league. Do you agree? The top. He is by far the best player in the league. 
The only player that I would really argue against that, and he's developing and coming up still, he's young and he's got a bright career ahead of him, is Luka Doncic. Okay. Okay. And I the guess, only I guess I could give you Luka. The only reason that so I young. say that is because Luka's still so young, he's developing, and the kid is just an all-around monster. You can put him at the one, two, or three potentially, and he'll just score ridiculous shots. He's able to drive. He plays some decent defense. I, I love what Luka Doncic is doing, and he's trying to reinvigorate a little bit of that true two-way playerness in the NBA at more than just the center position. So. And you know what? The, so everything that happens, all these people come out, they talk about Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant sucks. Kevin Durant this. Blah, 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 blah. Kevin Durant. The man played every minute of the last two games. Two games, yeah. And the game before that, he played every minute, but the final four and a half minutes when they took out all their starters because – they were down 15 and they were waving the white flag. But right. even up until that moment, he had played every single minute. So the dude literally took the team. You know, everybody talks about Kevin Durant. Well, he, you know, it, it bothers me because everybody says, well, the, you determine the player and how good they are for their career, their legacy, by how many championships they win. So then he sets himself up in a perfect position to win a championship by going to Golden State. Then everybody hates on him for going to Golden State because he took the easy road to win a championship. Well, if you're going to determine his legacy on how many championships he won, then bad props to the man for going and figuring out a way to go get back-to-back rings. But then the the caveat to that whole thing is he went, yes, they were 72-10 and before he went there, or 73-9 before he went there. He was the finals MVP both years. And he's, right, and he, people seem to forget shots that. in LeBron's face and in everybody's face. He, the best thing Kevin Durant does that nobody else, he shoots contested shots. Like so many guys hit all these open shots. This man shoots it right in your grill. Like you're right right up in yep. his face, and he's just like, bang, doesn't even matter. Then he hits that crazy-ass shot to force overtime with his little fucking pinky toe was on the line. Otherwise, the game would have been over. But he hits, right. the, he hits the shot to force overtime. Then he comes up short at the end of overtime. Everybody's like, see, he choked. LeBron wouldn't have choked. Nobody else would have choked. All the all the best players, they wouldn't have choked. Okay, but stop right there. Where was LeBron at? LeBron was at home watching well, the game on the fucking couch just like that. us. Like, I just don't understand. And they say, oh, well, LeBron would have would have carried the team by himself. He didn't even carry a, a better Lakers team. The Lakers, oh, from top to bottom, without, without take Harden and Kyrie off the nets. And you take AD off the Lakers. LeBron and the Lakers are are a better full team top to bottom than uh than KD and the Nets without those two. Cuz after those two there's nobody. Oh, I would agree 100%. And, and LeBron just that... just failed the same exact situ- situation. He couldn't carry the team. So I just I just I I can't stand it. There's so many dumbass basketball fans that think they they know everything and claim they know basketball and they say dumbass things like Kevin Durant choked or he cost them the series. Like, what do you mean? There would have been no series if it wasn't for Kevin Durant. Like, he literally took the team and put it on his back. I do understand what you're saying there. I mean, when it came to them losing that game seven to the Bucs, it wasn't because of Giannis. It wasn't because Kevin Durant didn't play up to his potential. Kevin Durant played tremendous, but he was the only player on the team. Most that was points doing ever in a game seven in the playoffs. People are very quick to judge a legacy by how many championships you've won. But at the end of the day, I mean, there are a number of great players who haven't, you know, made it all the way and won a championship 
more than once. I mean, you look at a guy like, in my opinion, one of the top five in my book of all time is Allen Iverson. Yeah, absolutely. You look, you look at a guy like AI, so dynamic, such a great scorer, slash in the paint. But how many championships did he win? Right. Well, and then, you know, the same people who say, you know, that they were hating on KD because he didn't win a championship until he got to Golden State. Those are the same dudes that say, well, you can't say that Jordan's better than LeBron just because he has more championships. Like, yeah, how does it work both ways? How do you, how can right. you not, how does the championship conversation not matter for LeBron and MJ, but it does matter for LeBron and KD? Like, I just never understood that. No, I will say this about LeBron James, and then I want to move on from him because he's on the couch just like we are. So, yeah, I <laughs> tried to do it in the playoffs right now. But uh, I, I, I tried I tried hitting him up like, hey, you ain't got shit to do anyways. You might as well come on our show. Uh, that wouldn't be a good idea. <laughs> you know how strongly I dislike that man as a basketball player. <laughs> they they implemented a 2K flop button because of that man. I mean, come on. That's Facts. not real basketball. Facts. I got my, my, my player has the one. He goes like this as he's flopping. <laughs> oh, my God. It's called Stop. dropping dimes. Get out of here with that shit. That's not real basketball. But anyways, <laughs> no, I mean, LeBron James and the whole GOAT conversation, as a Chicago Bulls fan, we're always going to be – uh, pulled towards Michael because we got to see what a great player he was, how dynamic he was, you know, the food poisoning game, the game where his feet were bleeding in his shoes and he still dropped over 40 points. We got to witness all that, and we've got to witness, witness LeBron. With LeBron James, LeBron James was not even the best player on the Lakers right. during that series, I would say. Obviously, AD was when he was in playing. So. Mm -hmm. Man, you know, did you see? Did you see the the rule changes they're making going into next year? I did see it. Let's talk about it a little bit. That's awesome. It's about time. I'm so tired of watching these motherfuckers jump up into somebody and get called uh, get free yeah. throws. Like literally change their whole angle. Like just go like this, and it's yeah. automatically get three shots because they did it behind a three point line. Yeah, like, if you're I, taking an unnatural foul, you don't deserve right. to get to the free throw line. Like, I totally would have been okay with them just not calling that a foul, but I love the fact that they're going to call it an offensive foul from now on. Oh, 100% agree. I mean, it'll put a stop to a lot of that flopping shit, and it's not even so much outside of the three-point line, but in the paint, you know, you see guys drive to the lane, and then they back up and flop and do a weird right. motion that they're not even going to be – they're not even going to be able to make that shot. Right. They're not trying to make a shot. They're trying to get a foul. And yeah. that's not the intent of fouls being called. It never yeah, I mean, been. you know, I even I, – I didn't even like it at the end, you know, God rest his soul. I didn't even like to see – when Kobe used to do it, he'd always jump – that side jump into dudes and draw a foul, like completely bail them out by him just jumping, initiating contact. Uh, then to, to then see it transfer to guys like LeBron. And, man, the worst right now is James Harden. James Harden, man, he just <laughs> – you just breathe on him, and he jumps into you and just throws the ball up in the air, like towards the rafters. Like, oh, that was a shot! I get, I get three free throws. Yeah, that kills me, and I'm glad that the league's doing something to mitigate that. I mean, that's not real basketball. That's not no, it's stupid. what the game's about. Right? It takes away from the integrity of the game. I mean, that's you don't hear the integrity of the game too much in basketball. That's almost exclusively a baseball term. Yeah, I mean, you know, they, they take all those things out and they start calling offensive fouls. We might we might even see Fat Mike start to like basketball a little bit. Hey, we might. Our guy Fat Mike's been watching some playoff 
basketball. So I'll give him credit in that regard. But. Ooh, that's a good question. Our guy, Angelo, he says, who is the best player left in the playoffs? Why don't you go first with that? Chris Paul. Mm, Chris Paul? I So much of his career has been – so much of his career has been like injury prone and just horrible, horrible lack of – it's hard to even describe. He's had such a rigid past when it comes to getting into the playoffs and he gets hurt, he's injury prone – the guys around him don't play up to their level that they played the entire season. So I would just love to see Chris Paul win one. I think he deserves it. I'm a big CP3 guy. And Devin Booker's an amazing young star. I mean, he's right up there with the top tier well, talent. I mean, let's see. You've got – what options you've got? From Atlanta, it's obviously Trey Young is the best player on that team. So you got right. Trey Young in Atlanta. You got Giannis with the Bucks. Uh Chris Paul and Devin Booker with the Suns. And – uh I mean, I guess he's not playing right now, but Kawhi and Paul George with the Clippers. Yeah, I think See, I've always been a big Paul George fan, but I don't think Paul George has really lived up to his potential. This right, season. that's I my think, personal opinion. You know, you know, Paul George. He's a not to get too sidetracked, but I think Paul George was a big fish in a small pond with the Pacers, and you Agreed. know, and then he went to OKC. It was whatever, and now you're seeing in a prime time. I mean, yeah, he has his good games, but I think. Uh, I think I got to go Devin Booker right now. I mean, the kid is, uh, as they say, he's a walking bucket. You know, oh. whether it's from inside the line, outside for three, driving to the lane. Plus, he, you know, when Chris Paul's out, he plays like a point guard. He uh, very he versatile. So he, I, I like Devin Booker a lot. He's young. He's uh, he's definitely got a huge upside. Um, but you know what? Don't don't sleep. Don't sleep on uh, DeAndre Ayton. I know we left him off our list of guys from teams because you got the Chris Paul and Devin Booker factor. But DeAndre Ayton, man, you know, the reason he went number one overall was that athleticism, that the getting to the finishing at the basket, protecting the rim, you know, all the things that he does is fun to watch. He can play with his back to the basket. He can drive. He can face up and shoot. He can pass. Right. Uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of fun things to watch there. But I think right now you got to go Devin Booker, and that's simply because Chris Paul just isn't who he used to be. You know, a prime right. prime Chris Paul absolutely would be the best player in the in the you know in the playoffs right now. But with where he is at, at this point in his career, I think Devin Booker. Uh, but uh, you know the the interesting takeaway from the whole Trey Young game one forty eight points putting on this show is. The uh, you know, everyone said, Man, Dallas uh, hoodwinked Atlanta with that trade. We're getting Luca for um, Trey Young. I think, oh, absolutely. Trey, I, I think Trey Young is quickly closing that conversation though and making it not so much of a blowout. Don't get me wrong, I still take Luca over Trey Young every day of the week, but I think and Trey twice Young on Saturday, but Trey Young is not, is no longer that guy that you go, Oh man, I'm afraid for him to shoot. I, I don't trust him with the ball in his hand. Now he's a guy that you say he can he can be a superstar in a team. So, uh, I, like I said, definitely would take Luke over him, but that that conversation isn't so lopsided anymore. I I do understand what you're saying there. Obviously, Luca is the superior of the two players, but Trey Young has came out of his shell a lot. He's uh, definitely progressed as a shooter over the last couple seasons. This year especially, he's and really protecting the ball. He no longer is a guy that's going to have 10 turnovers a game. Yeah, and that's huge. I mean, not to segue from this too much, but you look at the Bulls and 
you know, one of the main things that they struggled with, especially with a lot of the young guys on the team, was turnovers. Late right. in the game just killed them down the and, stretch. And not even the young guy. You know, you look at a guy like Zach Levine, who, yeah. you know, so played, young anymore. Playing, playing some of the best basketball of his career, but still is a guy that you said, man, I can't trust him to have the ball in his hand at the end of the game because he's going to turn it over. He's going to make a bad pass. He's going to, you know, right. take a bad shot. He's going to do different things. He's going to pass it to Denzel Valentine, who's going to airball it for free. Oh, my God. I hope I never get to see Denzel Valentine again. Uh, I saw somebody had shared a picture of them running into Denzel Valentine in one of the groups that we're in, and I'm like, man, I don't even know that I would stop to take a picture with the guy. No way. I don't care. So what? You're in the NBA, big deal. You suck. But, yeah, no, I mean. my time watching Bulls games enough to give you more of my regular time. Exactly. But, you know, moving on – or, well, not moving on, moving back to the playoffs. Where do you see the playoffs going from here, Vince? Well, I mean, obviously the easiest answer is that all depends what happens these next these next set of games. You know, tonight, if Atlanta goes up 2-0 and going home with a 2-0 lead, it's going to be tough for Milwaukee to come back from that. Especially I feel Giannis is not very good when the series keep going because – you know, the pressure's on him then. Uh, on the other hand, yeah. if Milwaukee ties it up now, they could. I could see Milwaukee going on a f- winning this game, this series in five, you know, but I think that's more because nobody trusts Atlanta. Atlanta has played great on the road for three rounds now. I think they're, they're starting to prove who they are, and that's between defense and grit and grind. That is Nate McMillan as a head coach. I think yep. – uh, you know, a lot of that. And now as Trey Young keeps getting better and better. But, uh, you know, on the other side, you got – it's the same old, same old, right? The Clippers went down 0-2 in all three rounds so far. And yep. then they come back and they tie it up 2-2 when they go home. Well, it, it all is about this next game now. If Phoenix goes out there and they blow the doors off them and they win and they go up three games to one, I think that series is over. Um, okay. You know – Chris Paul, you you obviously thought Chris Paul was going to play bad. He's been off for so long um, with COVID, and there wasn't really a chance for him to practice because of it. And Devin Booker wearing a mask looked like, you know, he couldn't figure out how to look out of it or see (laughs) because the two of them combined were 10 for 40. Um, You know, I I would probably bet every dollar to my name that those two don't go 10 for 40 again the rest of their careers combined. Um, But agreed. You know, it, it. We'll see. They've been really fun to watch that Phoenix team. Um, they have. I would love nothing more than to see Phoenix and Atlanta in the in the finals. That would uh, it would turn everything upside down. You know that we have this tendency. What have you done for me lately? A lot of teams that get to the the conference finals and then they don't go. They don't have that success the next couple of years, and people forget that they were ever that good. Um, right. You know, so I would love to see those two teams make the finals and then stay consistently competitive, you know, to, yeah. to, that, to, to quote Theo, when he was talking about the Cubs, you don't want to be good just one year. You want continue. You want to have continued right. relevance. And for the NBA to see the Hawks and the Suns relevant again, I think it's a, it's, it's a, it's a fun thing to see. You know, you remember days back of Dominique Wilkins and Charles Barkley yep. for those two franchises um, to never win a championship, but to be so such great, uh, you know, pivotal pieces in right. NBA history 
to see those two organizations be at the top of the game now is definitely a, a nice full circle moment. Oh, absolutely. And it's good. It's good for basketball. When we have more competitive teams that stay relevant and have that sustainability, the NBA is only going to prosper from that. So absolutely. I honestly, I don't think the bucks are going to go. I don't think the bucks are going to win. I think the bucks are going to get knocked out this round. I just don't think, you can't put an entire team on Giannis's back. That's just my personal opinion. And and they've shown Middleton is too inconsistent, and Drew Holiday yeah. has his flashes too, you know. But it's the problem is when nobody's clicking, they don't have a a go a go to guy that no matter what can always score. Exactly. You can't rely on Giannis for fifty points a game. No. And if you do, they're all going to be in the paint, and there's going to be some foul shots that he's going to miss, and it's right. going to look atrocious. But you know, with that being said, I do want to move on. We do have quite a bit left to talk about here, and we got our guy joining us here shortly, Lorenzo Hood. So uh, with that being said, let's take a quick break. Uh, let's hear from one of our sponsors, and then we'll come back and talk about a little bit of the craziness that's going on in baseball currently. This is a quick word, guys, from our sponsor, Nick and Ivy, out in beautiful downtown Lockport, Illinois. Hello, this is Paul from Nick and Ivy Brewing Company. We are located at 1026 South State Street in historic downtown Lockport, Illinois. We are very excited to be partnering up with the Fat Mike Chicago Sports Show as well as the 1252 brand because we are one of the few Chicagoland breweries that embrace sports and sports culture. Come in for a fresh brewed beer made right here in Lockport while catching the game of your favorite team. Stay for the live music that we have booked every weekend or just come for a cozy atmosphere to enjoy a good conversation with a friend, loved one, or complete stranger. Nick and Ivy makes you feel right at home no matter what the occasion is. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for Nick and Ivy Brewing Company. Visit our website for our up-to-date tap list or to go shopping on our online store at nickivybrewing.com. That's N-I-K-I-V-Y brewing.com. Come in today for a fresh brewed beer born and raised in Lockport, Illinois. And we're back. And again, guys, real quick, if you're out in the Lockport area, be sure to stop out and see Paul and his team out at Nick and Ivy Brewing. Uh, they recently just released the Fat Mike Chicago Lager. That beer was a big hit. Uh, our guy Fat Mike was obviously very excited to have a beer named after him. And it's a great beer from what I've heard. I haven't had a chance to try it yet, but I'll be making my way out there in the coming weeks to grab some myself. So uh, with that being said, guys, there's a lot going on in baseball right now. Not only are the Sox obviously at the top of their division, the Cubs are right there in contention uh, as well on the north side of town, and things couldn't be better for a Chicago baseball fan at this point. But the thing I do want to talk about before we dive into how good our teams are doing is the whole spider tax situation. Vince, I got to know, what's your take on – the current way the league's enforcing these rules. First of all, how do you feel about the rule of checking players' hats, gear, etc.? And secondly, do you think moving forward things will be changed? I think I don't know if things are. I mean, things are going to change one way or the one way or the other. Either things are going to change because something that's always been accepted by baseball is no longer accepted, or things are going to change. They're going to go back to the way it used to be and we're no longer going to have this stupid embarrassment of a, of a league right now. Um, you know, it, it reminds me a lot of steroids. Um, 
And I say that because base, you know, Bud Seely likes to claim that they didn't know people were taking steroids. Everybody knew. Everybody knew. It was a normal thing. It wasn't illegal. It was not illegal, you know, in baseball rules to take steroids back then. It wasn't. It wasn't a rule. Right. Um, you know, you, you had guys. I mean, ESPN came out with a whole, um, you know, uh, pitch or whatever they call it. You know, uh, chicks dig the long ball. That was their that was their 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 motto. That was their saying. That was the uh, you know what they were their selling point of baseball. That was how they got the fans back. They needed to do something drastic to get the fans back. And Mark right. McGuire and Sammy Sosa going neck for neck, homer for homer down the stretch was exactly what got everybody back in the seats. Barry Bonds hitting seventy two home runs or whatever it was that year was what got everybody yep. back in the seats. They wanted to see it. You know, you have all those things. Exactly. You have all those, all that at the moment to then years later pretend like you didn't know or now try to keep guys out of Hall of Fame because of it. It is just stupid. It makes you look like an idiot. It makes them – it's embarrassing for the for the league. So now we're to the point where baseball has turned into Joe Girardi, who is older than dirt, who the Philly – you know, because baseball just recycles people. You know, Tony LaRusso, Joe Girardi, Joe Madden, all these old guys, they keep bringing them back as coaches. You see a guy like Joe Girardi who, not to mention, just is a bad look, but interviews with, you know, because the baseball does have a lot of pregame interviews, you know, with reporters and whatnot in the dugouts and that. But when asked, Joe Girardi said, I'm not going to ask a, a player to be inspected, this, that, the other. Um, I think baseball has certain ways things are, blah, 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 bullshit. Then comes to the right. next game, and he, and he has Max Scherzer checked three fucking times. <laughs> like, at the last point, he took his pants off. Where do you think I'm hiding it? I you mean, know, they, ask about, they ask him about it after the game, and he says, well, I saw I saw Max was going to his – was running his fingers – his hand through his hair more often than he usually does. What? Get out of here with that shit. I think, obviously, the MLB is trying to mitigate things. They're trying to do the right thing and say, okay, these are the substances that you can use. These substances are illegal. And I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing. But the way that they went about it, collecting balls, collecting hats, analyzing the data, and then to come out and say guys are going to get a 10-day paid suspension if they get caught. That's the worst what? part because that's telling everybody, well, we're going to do this, but we really don't care. So we're going to suspend you for wrist. ten days, but we're still going to pay you, and right. it, you know, in the starting pitchers. So we're going to you're going to miss two starts, but don't worry, we're going to pay you anyways. So why do they care? At the right. end of the day, if they're still getting paid, why do they care? What's the, I guess, what's the non incentive for them to keep doing it? They're going yeah, to keep doing it. You know, the whole thing is a joke. It really is. Um, you know. You had Garrett Cole come out and say when they asked him if he'd ever used the spider tech substance, he didn't say no. He didn't say yes. He said, uh, I'm not really sure how I'm supposed to answer that. Yeah, I mean, because it's one of those here. things. Like, why are we even talking about it? Like, it's been – they've pitchers have done things forever. You know, Craig Kimbrell, right. do you think he has a spot on the middle of his hat just for the hell of it? Does he sweat right there more than everywhere else? No. <laughs> no. He's got something there. Uh, yeah. You know, as much even, as I hate to admit it, but it's going on on our team too. It's every team in the I, league. I, but it, you know what, though? I don't even have a problem admitting it because it's what baseball has always been. 
Like those guys, they okay. didn't do. They didn't. You know, you don't see it much in high school and stuff like that. But as you get older, and these guys are brought up and they're around veterans, man. Who do you think showed it to them? Who do you think taught right. them? You know, the that's the famous thing in uh, what is that? Uh, rookie of the year or major league or whatever? Yeah, I think it's major league where Charlie Sheen's talking to the old vet on the team and he's talking about Crisco and this and that. And he's like, he's got to get an extra two inches on my curveball, on the break on my curveball or on my slider. You know, yep. I'm not young like you used to be, blah, blah, blah. I, <laughs> I mean, I know it's a movie, but a lot of that's real life. Like, that's how oh, it absolutely. is. These guys, do what, these guys do what they have to do to compete. I mean, you've got guys up there hitting, you know, 500-foot home runs. Why do you think everything's a home run or a strikeout? Because either the batter wins with a home run or the pitcher wins with his fucking movement and everything else. I mean, you're not you're, you're right. not many guys anymore are throwing blazing fastballs right by you, beating you just off pure speed. You guys, hands are exactly. too fast for that nowadays. So you got to have movement. How do you get more movement? You put shit on the ball. You make you you add spin rotation. You know, everybody's got all these new these new uh, uh, analytics they want to use, especially in baseball. Man, baseball analytic you to death. And all oh, you hear is exit velo and uh, spin spin rotation, you know. And it's like, well, what do you think is? Why do you think the spin rate is at an all time high? Because people are fucking using shit. They're they're doing what they got to do. And same thing with right. home runs. Why are home runs? Because people launch angles and exit velo and all this bullshit. All I know is it's really turned a game where it had really got fun over the last few years to now. You look like a joke. You're talking about yep. spending pitchers for 10 days with hey. pay for literally cheating, if that's what you want to call it, is lit technically literally cheating. But the Houston Astros, who literally cheated to win a World Series, did not get suspended at all. Right. Well, you know, and you talked a little bit about the steroid era in baseball, and that's something I kind of want to bring back real quick. You know, when you looked at guys like – how amazing was it to watch Sammy Sosa knock a ball out of a park as a Cubs fan? Right. That was, you know, I remember many times going as a going as a kid to Wrigley and seeing that man play, and it was exciting. It was the most exciting and most vivid part of the memory of the day. You know what I mean? And that's you said, you know, that was what drew people back to baseball. It really was. And now you have you know, the argument of, oh, well, guys like Sosa, McGuire, Bonds shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame because they did steroids. Well, it, if the game was exciting, if it was something that people wanted to watch, if the views were good, the stadiums were full, at the end of the day, who fucking cares? I, I am beyond the fact that, you know, oh, the integrity of the game, the integrity of the game. Our guys, Angelo and Fat Mike, talked about it the other night. I think they were they were asked, you know, if, if there was a league where anything went, where you could use whatever you want on the ball, where players could do steroids, et cetera, et cetera, and then there was a league where they got drug tested every day and the balls and everything got checked every day, which league do you think people would watch? And obviously right. I would say people would go watch the league where everybody's doing steroids because they'd get to see 15 home runs a game. It'd be a ridiculously high-scoring game, and it'd be fun. And don't get me wrong, I don't condone use of any of those substances, but at the end of the day, if you know, if putting spider tack on the ball is what makes pitchers better and makes it more competitive, then okay. But you know, you see with these increased spin rates, you see exit velo go down, you see uh 
you just see an overall drop in the league average because guys can't hit the ball, well then, okay, maybe we do need to take a step back and it's got to be a level playing field. I'm not saying that guys shouldn't be able to put something on the ball, but at the same time, it's got to be level and realistic. Well, You've right, gotta, and that's you, why I don't have a problem with the guys who use steroids and all that, why they shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. I, that's why I don't have a problem with them in the Hall of Fame because everybody was doing it back then. It wasn't It right. wasn't just, you know, three, four guys were doing it. The whole fucking league was doing it. Everybody right. was doing it. Pitchers were doing it. So if pitchers were doing it and hitters were doing it, where's the advantage? And it was just those who got caught. I mean, as right. you said, everybody was doing it. You always think of the big names that got caught or got or, you know, years later admitted to it. I don't know that like McGuire, I don't know that he ever got caught, but he admitted to it after he was out of the league. Well, see now McGuire, you know, in McGuire too, he, uh, you know, at the time he, he was using creatine and creatine wasn't illegal either. And then they made creatine illegal to use for baseball. And he was like, Oh, I retired. <laughs> right. <laughs> but you know, you, you look know, at the things guys like that. that used, you know, the guys that used and all that. I mean, come on. It, it was just, it's what everybody was doing then. It was baseball. It was part of baseball. Right. You know, that's like they, you know, Alex Rodriguez, he came into this whole thing on the tail end of it, but he came in, he don't forget. He, he spent like two weeks in the minors. He, right. he, he made his debut at like 17 or 18 years old in the majors with Seattle 18. Mariners, you know, and he, he was that's how he was taught the game by the guys that were using the steroids. So then his exactly. career went on and he was using it. Well, that's what he was used to. It's what he was taught. You know, it, you know, unfortunately for Alex Rodriguez, he was so damn good that his career lasted a lot longer than some of the other guys, you know, and oh, he was such absolutely. a big name that it, it people cared because he was so good and because he had so many records and was, you know, on track to do things, you know, the right. It, it, it's one of those things, man, you know, it goes back and forth. I always say that, unfortunately, Ken Griffey Jr. used to get – got hurt so bad because the way he played, because if he would have stayed healthy, he would have had every record there is and nobody would have cared about steroids because they wouldn't have beat his records anyways. But it's not what we got. We got what right. we got, and now we have this embarrassment of a league. Yeah, I mean, it just – you're trying to make the game more appealing to young guys. I get it young guys and gals, you're trying to get, you know, the the 20-year-olds and under, you're trying to get the kids more involved and more interested in baseball. But it's not happening. With the way the league is right now and all these goofy rules we're trying out, you know, we're, we got to put a guy on second in the extra innings rule and yeah. everything like that. That's not baseball, and that's not the way that it was meant to be played. You talk about integrity of a game, man. The integrity of baseball has gone down the shitter a long time ago. Yeah, absolutely. And, it's just, you know, it's not what it used to be. It's not, you know, everything that baseball has always been. And now, you know, it's just as a as a commissioner, you know, it's hard to justify anything when you red-handedly caught the Houston Astros cheating to win a World Series and they don't get suspended at all. And now you want to suspend guys for having something on their hat or having a substance right. which you're going to classify as cheating. Well, you just set a precedent that you can cheat, win a World Series, and not get suspended. So why should they be suspended? Oh, I agree. It's so mixed, and I think it's just time for baseball to move on. Yep. I would love to see a guy like Theo Epstein take the reins of baseball and do something with it, 
that's smart. You know, I'm all o- I'm open for new rules, rule changes if they make sense. Obviously, they're voted on, and you know, even the extra innings rule was voted on. It was agreed upon, but you know, you try things for a season or two. If they work, they work. If they don't, they don't. But that's also what you have the minors for. You've right. got your double and triple A teams that you can try these goofy rules out on. You can make the bags bigger. I think was one of the things that's going yeah. on in triple A right now. Uh, you know, stuff like that. That's try it in your developmental leagues. If you see benefit to it, then maybe bring it up to the MLB. But it's just teams are so quickly to, or well, I'm sorry, those in charge of baseball are so quickly to vote on change because they know the game's broken. They understand that they have to do something to get fans more engaged with the game of baseball. And it's, it's horrible. I mean, if you go to a game now, unless you're a diehard Cubs fan, you know, or Sox fan, whatever. If you go to a game in Chicago, I guarantee 50% of the stadium or more is, let's say, 35, 40 years old plus. You're not getting the younger demographic to be interested in baseball. And those that are younger that are going to the game are trying to build world record 105-foot fucking beer snakes. They're not there to watch the game. They're spilling beer all over, you know, poor guy and his kid that just happened to be in the same section. Right. And at $12 a beer, I'm not dumping any beer out, but that's a different Hell that's a no. Different Hell no, not at all. I need yeah. all that beer. I mean, it's just one of those things that the game of baseball is on a decline, I guess is all I'll say. I wish it wasn't. I would like to see things turn around, but I don't think that's going to happen until we get a new commissioner of right. baseball on the league. Right. Realistically, I think you've set so many bad precedents and, you know, all these goofy little rule changes trying to be more hip and cool. And all you do is piss off the fans that are older, old school guys that, you know, really don't like the rule changes and stuff. And then you don't really appeal to the younger crowd either. So you made a change for no benefit. And that's kind of systemically, that's how baseball has been going the last couple of years. And it's time for a change. It's time for a change in major league baseball. I would be surprised if we don't have a new commissioner next year. Yeah, you know, and it's got to be a drastic change too. You know, I mean, the, yeah. the the owners they pay a lot of money for the commissioner to to help make that money, and I don't know that that's what's going on right now. I don't think the things no. that are being done are being done to help them make money, which is the commissioner's number one job. Um, but you know, that being said, moving on a little bit, we you know, you and I were talking before the show. The Cubs and Sox, man, them records are awfully close. <laughs> Crazy, right? Just two games difference, I believe, in the wins. Cubs are at 42. The Sox are at 44. Man, I, I've said it before, but when was the last time that you could say both teams in Chicago were doing so, so good playing at such high levels? It's been a long time. So yeah. it's exciting to be a baseball fan in the city of Chicago right now. Obviously, I'm a Cubs fan. I'm not one of those Cubs fans that hate the Sox. I've said it before on this show. I root for the Sox anytime they're not playing the Cubs. I'm all for Chicago sports, and, you know, the better both Chicago sports teams can do, the the better the baseball demographic, the environment is in the city, and I'm all for it, man. Sox want to go out and be a number one. Cubs want to be number one. Let's go. But I do yeah. have to ask you a question, Vince. When it comes to the Cubs, our, it's the age-old question we've been talking about week over week. But as it sits now, are the Cubs buying or selling at the deadline? You know, I just don't see any way the Cubs could sell. 
you know, whether regardless what the plan was before the season, you're in it now. You're going back and forth. You're right at the top of the division going back and forth. I just don't see how you could now justify selling and not doing everything you can to give yourself a shot at getting, you know, into the playoffs, winning the division, going on a, a run to a world series, all those things, you know, and, it, and frankly, I think now you have to be a buyer and then it becomes your job as Jed Hoyer to go make the moves he can to make this team better, to give them a shot at winning a world series this, this year and then worry about signing these guys in the off season. You know, right. I hear everybody say, well, you don't want to lose Chris Bryant for nothing. You don't want to lose this guy for nothing. You're right. You don't. Well, then make sure you don't. If you don't, right. if, if you can't stand losing Chris Bryant for nothing, well, then you're going to have to pay whatever it takes to keep him. And at this point, you probably should. He's playing the best right. baseball of his career, arguably. Why not give the guy a contract and build around him? Yeah. I mean, you pay Chris Bryant, you know, unfortunately, the way baseball or sports in general goes, it's what have you done for me lately? And Chris Bryant is, is looking like MVP Chris Bryant. Anthony Rizzo's the heart of the team. Those two guys got to get paid. Javi Baez, man, if, if he's if he wants to play hardball and he wants to settle, he wants to wait for that $300 million contract, well, then Javi Baez is going to be sitting at home because nobody's going to give yeah. him $300 million unless it's one of these teams that isn't going to be good for the next 10 years. You know, I, I, I would I agree. For Anthony Rendon, when he left the Nationals to go to the Angels, yeah, you get to play with Mike Trout who at the time is the best player in baseball might still be, but you, you know, you, uh, you go play with Mike Trout, but other than playing with Mike Trout, you went to a team that you know, you're not going to win for the rest of your career because well, you, you know, spent a 10 year deal with the angels. You look at a team like the angels and that's a perfect example, Vince, you know, you got headlines about Mike Trout and what he did every night headlines about Otani and what he did. All the- Great players, tremendous players. Don't get me wrong. But then you see the stat line in the, and they still lost right. nine to six, right? Five to three, whatever the case is. You know, if you have superstars on your team and you're not winning, right. well, what's it worth? Yeah. And that's, you know, one thing with the Cubs is, as you said, Anthony Rizzo is the heart and soul of this team. Everybody knows it. He's clearly the leader. And, you know, you get rid of a guy like Riz. I don't think you can replace that leadership role so easily. And, yeah, he's regressed. He's getting older. He's not as good as he once was. But he's already taken team-friendly deals, and you know he wants to retire as a coach. Yeah, I mean, his, you know, the, the whole Anthony Rizzo thing, the, the conversation with Anthony Rizzo is never going to be about the production because the, he, he's so much more than what he does on the field for the Cubs. You Agreed, know, 110%. What he, does, what he does in the clubhouse, what he does in that dugout. Um you know, the way he holds guys accountable, the way he holds himself accountable, the way he doesn't let anybody get away with anything. You know, he, you know, he's the captain. He's the guy. Um, right. And to your point, he's already taken two team-friendly deals to stay with the Cubs. And he's made it known he doesn't want to go anywhere else at this point in his career. You know, so to me, it's like, look, you've got to pay Rizzo. And then if it comes down to Brian or Baez, which it shouldn't because you're a professional baseball team. You have nothing but money. Exactly. Anybody says they don't have money, it's a joke. Because, yeah, they might not have money sitting there at their disposal right now, but you've got the money over the course of the years to pay pay your bills. Like, you know, every team is worth – the Cubs are worth like – I think it's $6 billion or $5 billion. You can't tell me that there's anybody you can't get money for to pay a guy. Um, That being said – 
you know, if, if it comes down to Baez or Brian, it's got to be Brian. Brian has oh. shown the MVP flashes. Baez did the one year, but other than that one year, man, he's he's swings and pitches way over his head. He chases <laughs> shit. He he doesn't walk. He just you know he strikes out. Yeah, he plays great defense, but you can't pay a guy three hundred million dollars because he plays great defense. And, and then really, he stands up there and golf. He's really good because he's really good at tagging people out on the bases. Yeah, you know, he stands like, up there and golfs at ridiculous pitches that I, even myself, if I was playing in a rec baseball league, wouldn't swing at. I mean, and don't get me wrong, his batting average has gone up. He's gotten a little bit better down the stretch here. But realistically, I agree with you if it comes down to keeping Bryant or keeping Javi. As much as I love Javi as a defensive player, see ya. Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, the – there's, there's whole, you're not going to lose a shot at World Series because you have Chris Bryant in the field. You know, I mean, so no matter how much better Baez is in the field, the way Bryant's playing at the plate, and he's playing, you know, he plays first, third, left, center, right. So you know, dynamic. He plays all of it, and he plays it well, where you got Baez who plays short. And, right. you know, he's going to hit 200. You know, you can't have him in the middle of your life hitting 200. You know, no, he's done that for years now. So at some point, he – you know, I heard the Cubs offered him 170 million. I think he should have took it. I think I mean, that's the best he's, he's going to get it, out of the you Cubs. Know? Yeah, Lindor got 300, or you know, all these guys are getting the big time contracts. But where but does your Lindor. stat line? To, where's your stat line that backs up the 300 million dollar contract? I agree, 110. percent You know, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens in the off season. Who we do retain, or well, I should say before the off season. In Chris Bryant's case, for sure, they're probably going to need to get something done before the offseason. Because right. once he hits the open market, we're not going to be competitive enough to keep, retain him. But, you right. know, I one thing I do want to ask you real quick before we move on is, do you think the Cubs, in their current state and how well they're playing, do you think they regret letting you, Darvish, go? If you have to give Jed Hoyer a truth serum, and he's got to be completely honest with you, I think he tells you he does not regret moving you, Darvish, and getting out from, from underneath that contract. I think he would admit he regrets not getting more for him. Interesting. I think you, Darvish, is a ticking time bomb. As good as he pitches at any moment, he can go back to that that mental state where he's unable to throw strikes, unable to – Pitch feel like nobody wants him around. You know, they said that, you know, it happened in Texas. It happened in Chicago. Then you want to go back to Texas because of it. But he's very isolated from his teammates. Doesn't involve himself with everything that goes on as a team. So I don't think it was a bad idea to move him. I think it was a good idea to move him. It was a good idea to get out from underneath that contract. I do, however, think if they could do it over again, maybe you wait for the deadline and get a bigger a bigger return for him. You know, you okay. today's day and age, a lot of teams are not afraid to give up prospects, top no. prospects, to get a guy that they feel is going to give a shot at a World Series. And I feel like you could have got more. I mean, you, they obviously could have got more, but I feel like that's the bigger regret, is you didn't get more for him when you when you moved him. Especially for a team okay. like San Diego, who is loaded at the major league level and loaded in the minors as well. You know, Mackenzie Gore, some of these, you know, prime pitching prospects that this team has, you know, that they have, um, 
you know, I believe they, I believe it's San Diego that also has CJ Abrams. He's a shortstop center field prospect, you know, uh, but him, but the Mackenzie Gore, these pitchers that are already ready to go, but they have no spot for them in the rotation. And they're still in the minors. You could have traded for guys like that, where if they were trading for a U Darvish, they were admitting, okay, well, we're not willing to wait for our prospects. That's why we traded for, um, you Darvish, and that's why they traded for um, man. I'm forgetting his name. The kid, the kid that blew is they had Tommy John right after they traded for him uh, from Cleveland. Is that Clevenger? Oh yeah, Clevenger. Yeah, Clevenger. Yeah, so they traded for Clevenger. They traded for you Darvish. So they're not afraid to trade for guys. But when you get a team like that who's hungry to compete right now and get those pieces are missing, I think you have to capitalize and say, look, you can have them. But this, you got to give me, you got to give me Gore, you got to give me Abrams, you got to give me these guys that are going to be those prime prospects. That's how you re, that's how you retool the the minors. You know, you look at yeah. what the Sox did, and everyone wants to criticize Rick Hahn, but you look at what Rick Hahn has done. He took Chris Sale and he moved him for major pieces. You know, that's you, true. And you moved, uh, moved to Jose Quintana, and you got major pieces for your future. And when all right. these guys were ready to play, you've now got a, a a fun, exciting, loaded minors and loaded team in the majors, and that's why you're going to sustain success. So uh, to make you know, I've, I know I made this short answer into a long answer, but I think they would regret more just not getting enough in return for you, Darvish. Okay, I understand your opinion there for sure, but I do have to disagree. I think that. You know, as an organization, the Cubs are kicking themselves for not restructuring use contract and keeping them around, knowing what we know now. Obviously, the expectation at the beginning of the season was we're going to retool this team. We're going to, you know, take a step back, let it ride. It is what it is type of mentality. You know, we're going to get some prospects, et cetera, et cetera. But then you look at this team who's, you know, right there fighting for first place in I'll bet a bad division, don't get me wrong. It's not like the Cubs are playing in the toughest division in baseball. Right. But neither are the Sox. So, I mean, the Sox got the fucking Detroit Tigers in their division who are absolute garbage. Yeah, I mean, the Royals aren't very good either. Right. And then, you know, obviously on our side, everybody knows Pittsburgh's. <laughs> I mean, Pittsburgh let Javi Baez trick him <laughs> into a. Yeah, I mean, you know, Pittsburgh out. at this point, Pittsburgh's barely a major league team. I believe that was the only time that a, a batter had ever fooled a first baseman in a chase down between home plate and first when, in league history. When that happened, I shared it, and Melissa texted me, and she said, is that even legal? Can a guy <laughs> get into a rundown between home and first? I don't think I've ever seen that before. And I said, well, it's because you haven't seen it before. It's not illegal. I, it just <laughs> never happened. Right. I mean, it can, but all because the idiots ever thought, hey, on the if bag. I get in this rundown between home and first, maybe I could get this run in. You Put know, your foot on the bag. <laughs> right. Especially when you're, you're three feet away, the ball's thrown to you, just step <laughs> on the bag. The, Even right, if the run scored, it didn't matter. You Once you step on the bag, the run doesn't count anyways. Exactly. It's like, what were you thinking there? That's baseball fundamentals. I mean, that's stuff that grade schoolers are taught in, in little league ball. And yeah. you've got a guy out here on the Pittsburgh Pirates that gets fooled like that. If I'm his coach, oh, my God, the conversation we're having after the game. 
Oh, it's going to involve after lots the of game, that. after that inning. Right. As soon as you get back in the dugout, no. Yeah, you're not playing weird. the rest of the game. You're not playing for a while. You want to do some you just stuff. Sit down like here that. and watch the game with me. Let me figure out you really know what you're watching. But yeah, man, I mean, to get back to you and to get back to the Cubs, I just to think me? that to you, Darvish. Oh, I thought you said get back to me and the Cubs. No. I was gonna say I appreciate that. I love getting back to me. To getting back to you, Darvish and the Cubs, I think long term. I don't even want to say long term. I think this year this team is missing you, Darvish. And obviously, you know, Kyle Hendricks is really the only true starting pitcher that we have in this entire rotation, one would argue. And, you know, as great as the bullpen has been performing, you know, you got Andrew Chafin, who's here to strike people out and chew bubble gum, and he's all out of bubble gum. He's my favorite. And Craig Kimbrell and Zach Davies, all these guys, they're – playing way above their expectation. They have been consistently all season, but Jake Arrieta starting to look like real Jake Arrieta. You know, his ERA starting to go up. He's not really finding the zone as well as he should be. He and is killing my fantasy team. He's one, killing your fantasy team. One start at a time. He's killing my fantasy team. Last week I have forgot to put him in. His work has been crazy. We're waiting right. on the baby. I forgot to put him in one day. I forgot to move my starting pitchers up, and he got shelled. It was the best move I made for my team all week was not playing Jake Arrieta. <laughs> no, but, I mean, again, to add to your point there, with it's just unbelievable. You know, everybody was praising, oh, my God, we've got 2016 Jake Arrieta back. No, we don't. Jake Arrieta is never going to be 2016 Jake Arrieta ever again. That was again those head Cub fans. You know who that was? That was Fat Mike. I blame Fat Mike. I no. blame Fat Mike. He was all on Jake Arrieta being phenomenal, and he no, was going to be the savior of the Cubs. I blame Fat Mike. Fat Mike, if you're listening, I blame you for Jake Arrieta's struggles right now. Well, you know, you can say that, but at the same time, Mike's a big John Lester guy, and he was sad to see John Lester go. I'm of that opinion you as well. What? You're right. I, Maybe it was Allen. Maybe Allen was the one. Pre- you know, let's just blame Allen. Allen, it's your fault the Cubs are struggling right now with Jake Arrieta. <laughs> but as a whole, the Cubs have been able to, able to overcome all these struggles. I mean, they've been able to play at a consistently better than expected level over the season. But it's still the season's still young. We're only 70-plus games in. There's still – 90 games to be played. You know, you look at that, and there's a lot that could happen. There's more games to be played than have been played. At yeah. some point, the bats at some point the bats will go cold and the pitching will grow cold as well. And we're not gonna be in first place. Not with the starting bullpen we have. I mean, you've got to get a couple starters at the trade deadline if you think this team's going anywhere in the playoffs. Right. The, Absolutely. I guess before we wrap it up, that's before we wrap up the baseball talk, at least, that's going to be my last question, Vince, is do you think this team can do anything in the playoffs if they get there? Um, I mean, you know, obviously if you get there, you got a shot, right? You know, we've seen we've seen more unlikely runs in the playoffs in different sports. You know, look at Montreal and NHL right now. They're going to the Stanley Cup final and – they were plus 35 to one when the playoffs started. Um, 
you know, they were down 0-2 to Toronto and the comeback they've had. Um, you know, realistically, they got to make moves, right? They've got gaping holes in this team where they're not a solid team top to bottom. You know, you, you look at your rotation, you get to the playoffs, you say, okay, we only got to go three men. Well, okay, well, you got Hendricks. Who do you have after him? Zach Davies. Okay, does that, you know, does that impress you going into the playoffs? Does that make you feel like you're confident in Zach Davies going out and throwing a, a gem in game two? No. So, you know, if they could go add a starter, and by what it sounds like around the league, there are plenty of starters available, good actual starters available come the deadline. Um, you know, if you go add two of them or even one of them and maybe, a, you know, an outfielder or an infielder or somebody that – He's going to be an everyday starter. You add a everyday starter and a and a starting pitcher, or you know, multiple of something. You know, then yeah, you can make a deep run. But as the way they're constructed now, I feel like they're more like Cinderella, waiting for that you know to, for it to strike midnight and everything go back to the the carriage turning back into a pumpkin. You know? I hear you. I hear you for well, sure, man. But obviously, as a Cup fan, I hope I hope it stays. 11.59 for the rest of the year, and it stays a carriage, and they, you know, they run through the playoffs, and they make a, a, a long run into the playoffs, even if it's not a World Series win. Um, you know, it would just be fun to see them be World Series relevant again. Um, yeah, you know, so we'll see. And that leads me, I guess, to one more follow-up then. How crazy would it be to see a Chicago Cubs-Chicago White Sox <laughs> World Series? Man, I'll tell you what, if you get the Cubs and Sox World Series, I know they had that su- that Subway Series in New York years ago when I was a kid with the Mets and Yankees. I'll tell you this right now, if you got a Cubs-Sox World Series, they better bolt the city down because I, yeah, it'd be crazy. the city will burn no matter who wins. Yeah, I mean, you think of how crazy it was when the Cubs won in 16, how crazy the look, city was, how electric it was. If we had that series, oh, my. Look, as, you, as Jonathan Hood would say, oh, God. They they better invest in a bubble somewhere else to play these games if they go to a, a Cubs Sox World Series because you will see the city literally burnt to the ground. <laughs> you will have between fans that are, which I never understood this, but fans that are, you know, looting and doing things because they're excited their team won versus – the, and accompanied with the fans of the other team that loses, upset their team loss, and they set shit on fire and flip cars over. And sh- I, I just never said I never, you know, no. especially like when the Bulls were really good, the Jordan days, and they were winning. And you had, you know, the cars were being flipped and all these different things. Like I never have like seen one of my teams, even the Cubs won the World Series, which to me was my favorite I think I've ever seen. But oh yeah. To me, I've never like seen my team win or had them in a position to win, and I was like, "Man, if they win, I should go flip that fucking car over. I should loot some stuff. That'd be. Cool. I should light this on fire. My team but, won. I'm but anyways, man. let me go light the city on fire. Like I just don't get it at all. No, How I don't get it either. There's no zero sense to that at all. But, but you yes, know, before we, that's my biggest takeaway is they will literally burn this city to the ground before we move on here and get into some football talk, because I want to talk about these Chicago bears. I'm excited as always to get some bears talk in before we move on guys, we're going to take a quick word from a couple of our sponsors here. So we're going to hear from the Jonathan Darren team with the Coldwell banker real estate group. 
And then we're going to come back and hear from Mark Berardi and Associates. Hi, I'm Jonathan Darren, licensed real estate broker with Cobble Banker Real Estate Group in Homer Glen. Are you looking to buy or sell? Have you been disappointed in the past? The Jonathan Darren team with Cobble Banker Real Estate Group focuses on providing you with a concierge level of service during the process of buying or selling. We are a service-oriented team with a fresh and professional approach to selling real estate. Our goal is to combine knowledge, skills, and passion to exceed our clients' expectations, and most of all, we truly care. We are a knowledgeable real estate team focused on offering expertise and innovative solutions for our clients. The Jonathan Darren team has five full-service real estate brokers and a dedicated full-time marketer servicing all of Chicagoland. We will customize a detailed plan around your timeline for a sale, purchase, investment, estate, or other needs. Real estate transactions can be stressful, but don't need to be. Let us handle it for you. Visit our website, homesbyjdt.com, or call 708-308-1938 today. Expect better in real estate. Choose the Jonathan Darren team. All right, guys, and that was a word from the Jonathan Darren team with the Coldwell Banker Real Estate Group. If you're looking to buy a home in the Homer Glen or any area in Illinois for that matter, please be sure to reach out to John and his team. They're the best. They will hook you up. They'll do what it takes and get you into a home. So reach out to John and his team if you're looking to buy a home. Real quick, guys, we're going to take another word here from Mark Berardi and Associates. Call Mark Berardi, the best fucking lawyer in town. So Fat Mike loves that commercial. I think it's hilarious as well, but Mark Berardi has done a lot for us here at the 1252 Sports Network and you know, he's a big Bears guy, so I definitely wanted to play his ad before we start talking Bears. You know, Mark and his team out in Homer Glen are the best. If you need anything done as far as legal work goes, definitely be sure to reach out to Mark and his team. They'll get they'll get it done. They're no frills, no bullshit type guys, just everyday guys like you and I. So reach out to Mark and his team if you need any legal work done in the state of Illinois, and they'll be sure to hook you up. Now, with that being said, Vince, man. As always, the hype strong around the Chicago Bears. You know, obviously more than ever. More than ever, yes. Obviously, with Justin Fields and the acquisition there in the draft, there's been so much buzz around the potential. What can this kid do? We've been making moves at offensive line, not only in the draft, but in free agency to pick up some key players. This offensive line is going to be totally, totally revamped at the beginning of this season. And I'm so interested. I'm interested more. I'm interested more to see what happens with this offensive line than I am to see what happens with the quarterback position at the beginning of the season. And that's just my opinion. I, as much as I want to see Justin Fields out there on the field, I would love to see this offensive line just come out and be a monster unit that can hold back every pass rusher. You know, our quarterback has as much time as he needs in the pocket, and things just really prosper from that aspect. We get the run game going, et cetera, et cetera. But back to Justin Fields real quick, man. I got to say one thing. You know I'm not a big Matt Nagy fan. I say it almost every week on this show. that No, not almost every week, every week. I do. I'm not a Matt Nagy fan. I think this year's going to show that he can't call offensive plays. He's not the guru that everybody thought he was. negative already. But with that being said, Matt Nagy was interviewed. Uh, it's been just over a week now. And Sylvie, Mark Silverman from ESPN Chicago's Waddle and Sylvie, got on the Zoom call to ask him a question. And he asked him for some clarification. He wanted to know if 
Justin Fields didn't have the opportunity to win the starting job. And Matt Nagy said, yes, that's correct. Now, I don't know how much I take out of that. I don't know if that's just PR, strictly publicity. You know, Matt Nagy wanting to show, not wanting to show his hand too fast, so to speak. But realistically, Justin Fields has to have the chance to win the starting job. If he doesn't, why did you draft the guy? What are your thoughts on that, Vince? Uh, I, I, I don't take a lot. I don't put a lot of stake into any of that. Um, you know, our guy Ron here says, I think they'll hold off starting fields until the O-line proves they can protect him. Maybe the Detroit game. I don't think there's a timetable in place right now for him to be the starter. You know, in their minds, they would love to see him go the Patrick Mahomes route. That it's being, not the same. But listen, that being said, Andy Dalton is a starter until he's not, right? I mean, what's the point of saying – yeah, it's an open competition. Everybody knows it's an open competition. Everybody knows Justin Fields is going to dictate where this goes. If he goes into camp and he's that much better than Andy Dalton, he's going to play. If he's making every throw and he's making every read and he's doing all the things he has to do and he's commanding the team, because that's a big one. A lot of people just look at the on the field. Level. He's got to command the team, too. As a starting quarterback, you've got to be able to lead. And if he's doing all those things, well, he's gonna he's going to play. If he gives them the best chance to win football games, he's going to play. It's that simple. But what what do they gain by saying, you know what? Yeah, we're gonna go into this thing and if he's a little bit better than Andy Dalton, he's gonna be our starter. What's the point of saying that? As long because as you get you give the fans some resurgence. Who you cares give the fans what the fans hope. think? Who cares what the fans think? Do, do what you and I think, does that have any indication on who's going to win the football game? No. Do you do you believing in the Bears have, help them any more to win a football game than if you think they're trash? No. Just like you think Matt Nagy can't, can't call a football game. He can't call plays. If you're right and he can't, it has no more bearing than if you're dead-ass wrong and he goes out there and he's the best play caller in the league, they're still going to do what they're going to do. So what do you gain from going out, you know, uh, schematically and strategically? What do you gain in those areas by saying this is a wide open competition? Because if you if you say it's a wide open competition and he looks just a little bit better than Andy Dalton, you've got to go with Justin Fields because you said it's an open competition. So now you put him out there before he's truly ready, before this team is truly ready to compete. What do you gain from that? Nothing. You let Andy Dalton go out there. As long as Andy Dalton looks like he can win football games, you put him out there. You let Justin Fields learn the game. You let him learn the speed of the NFL, and you let him watch and learn and practice and create chemistry with this team. Because in all honesty, you're not going to win a Super Bowl this year. Playing Justin Fields is not going to magically – obviously, we don't know what's going to happen. He could be better than Patrick Mahomes, right? He, right out of the gate, could he be. could be. Or he could be a lot worse. The problem is, you saw when Peyton Manning came out, he was a rookie. There was nobody else to play. Most of these teams that draft a quarterback this high don't have another option. Like, I don't buy that Trevor Lawrence might not start the season for Jacksonville. <laughs> I don't right. buy it. Because why would you go with Gardner Minshew? I, I, but the Bears... You know, the Colts' Peyton Manning struggled. He had one of the worst rookie seasons any quarterback has ever had. 
And obviously the rest of his career t- wrote its own story. But they right. didn't have another option. The Bears, Justin Fields fell to them. They weren't supposed to get Justin Fields. He wasn't supposed to make it to 11. So when he does, they've already gone out and got Andy Dalton. You've got him on a one-year deal. Ooh. You've got him for $5 million. If he plays out his ass, you've got him for 10. But if he's hitting those bonuses for $10 million, it means you're having a success on the field anyways. So you put Andy Dalton out there, who's a proven product. You know what you have. All right, hold on, though. Hold on. How many playoff games has Andy Dalton won? Two, I think. Zero. They won none in Cincinnati. I believe he's been great at getting his. You know that to be factual that that he won zero playoff games in Cincinnati. He has won zero playoff games in his career. What does that have to do with? What does that have to do with the regular season? Him and Justin Fields have the same playoff record. Okay. What does that? What does that fucking mean? I all I'm saying here is. So you I don't get a think rookie, that Andy Dalton. So hold on. So you get a rookie quarterback that you that you know nothing about, other than what you've seen on film and seen in shorts and a t-shirt. You you know nothing about him. You've got a starting left tackle who is a right tackle who is now moving to left tackle in the NFL. You you really know nothing about what he's going to do at the next level. That's who you have protecting him. You've got other guys in the line you're unsure about. Now you're going to put Justin Fields out there and let him get his head caved in. For I, what? I don't think he's going to get his head caved in behind. Why wouldn't he? Line. Why wouldn't he? Ron just confirmed Andy Dalton is 0 for 4 That's in the playoffs. fucking great that he's 0 and 4. I don't care if he's 0 and 40. I, all I'm saying here, Vince, is I don't know that they need to come out and say that it's an open competition. So if you're Kansas City, do you would you would is, do you think Andy Reid's going to say, you know what? I really wish we would have rushed Patrick Mahomes on the field that first year. Because it seemed to work out pretty damn good for them. Okay, I'm not saying it didn't, but Alex Smith was a proven veteran in that system who had Alex won. Smith is no better than Andy Dalton. Alex Smith is 100% better than Andy How? Dalton. How? What has Alex Smith done that makes him better than Andy Dalton? In the four seasons prior to Patrick Mahomes being drafted, Kansas City made the playoffs three out of four years, I believe, and he was he was a proven veteran. I mean, he... Okay, Andy Dalton was a proven veteran. Not last year, not for Dallas. Wasn't I with mean, the Bears last year. I don't give a shit what he did in Dallas. Okay, what what do you do the last two years in Cincy, bro? I'm not saying that Andy Dalton's going to be he horrible. Still was better, he still was better than what a lot of teams had last year, even his last two years in Cincinnati. I'm not saying that Andy Dalton's not an upgrade for Mitchell Trubisky. That's clear. I, it has nothing to do with Trubisky. What I'm saying is you're not forced to play Justin Fields, Peyton Manning, a lot of these guys that get drafted higher, they're forced to play right away. Deshaun Watson was forced to play right away. There was nobody else. All these guys, they, you're forced to play when you get a quarterback like this. The Bears made a great move in moving up to get Justin Fields. There's no rush to put him on the field. You're not winning a Super Bowl next year. I don't care if Justin Fields starts week one. He's not doing anything to make you in a Super Bowl next year unless something out of the ordinary happens. They are not ready to win a Super Bowl. Do you agree? I do agree that it's going to take more than one season for the Bears to win. Okay. So why are we looking at the short term? Why are we not looking at Justin Fields as the long term? What I've heard from every Bear fan there is, is that he's the long term savior of the Bears. Don't forget this guy has still never thrown a pass in the NFL. 
That's true. Well, He's got a lot to prove. Everybody is so worried about all the bullshit that means absolutely nothing. If the kid goes out there and he's as good as everybody is making him out to be, he's going to play. If he's just okay and he's still struggling with some things and Andy Dalton is looking like he can win you football games, then there's no reason for him to go out there. You know what? I'm tired of the whole – our guy Russ, I think we would all agree Mitch was hurt by starting too early. What was the alternative? Playing Mike Glennon? That's a case you had nobody else. You had to go to Mitch because Mike Glennon was turning the ball over five times a game. That speaks right into what I'm saying. Justin Fields is more going to be determined by what Andy Dalton does and what Justin Fields does to get ready than it is by Matt Nagy in, in in a press conference or an interview saying, no, there's no scenario where where Justin Fields is a starter. First off, you already know it's bullshit. If Andy Dalton gets hurt, obviously Justin Fields is the alternative to start the season. So there is a scenario where he starts. All Matt Nagy is telling you is unless he comes out and blows the doors off of everybody, they're not going to start the season with him. And that's okay. I know everybody wants to see Justin Fields. Everybody wants to see that quarterback for the Bears that we've all been waiting for. But why risk the future of Justin Fields just so the fans can feel a little bit better about themselves and a little bit better about this team one season sooner? Well, and that's not what I was getting at. I don't care how the fans feel, but they're at the end of the day, why can't you be trans? The Bears cannot be transparent about anything. They're not paid to be transparent. It's not. It's not smart to be transparent. You've got coaches to a certain like, degree. It is. You can't even be transparent about how many years Matt Nagy has on his contract. Who cares? None of your business. Go look it up. It's you can't public look knowledge. it up. You it's can not look public it up. knowledge. You can look it up online. It's public records. Anytime a guy signs an extension, it's on there. You can see it. They don't. I understand where everybody's coming from with the Bears. Don't they don't tell you anything? Nothing. It, it, but it doesn't help them to tell you anything. No, it doesn't it, help them win a football game by you knowing what they're doing. No, but it definitely doesn't motivate a fan base to be. What does it motivate you? The fact that they moved up and got Justin Fields? The fact that everybody went into this draft going, I hope we can get Tevin Jenkins in the first round. They draft, they moved up, drafted Justin Fields, and then took Tevin Jenkins in the second round? That doesn't motivate that was you. Excellent. Bear- it, it does. That's but, not what I'm saying. But I'm saying when you can't be honest about some of the simplest things and not even saying Justin Fields, you take that out of the equation. Just the who Bears, who the Bears got week one? The Rams. So if the Rams go into practice and camp and everything going, we're preparing for Andy Dalton. We're preparing for Andy Dalton. We're preparing for Andy Dalton. And by some outside-of-the-box thing happens and Justin Fields is through the roof good and he plays. And the Rams are like, oh, shit, we weren't expecting Justin Fields. Well, obviously that helps. The element of surprise. Okay, so all, all the – all you got, all as a Bears fan, you need to know is that they're doing everything they can to win football games, right? At the end of the day, that's really what we could expect and, and hope out of our Bears organization is that they're doing everything they can to win football games, right? Yes. So if they feel that Andy Dalton gives them the best chance to win football games and gives Justin Fields the best chance to be great going on, then 
at this point, all you can do is trust them that that's the right thing to do. Yeah, and that's I'm not a big fan of Justin Fields starting week one. I don't think I ever said that. My point being was that you're completely shutting the door on him having the ability to be better than Andy Dalton. And but it's, it's not, not like no, it's Andy just, Dalton. It's, it's just what you're saying. If if Matt Nagy says Andy Dalton's our starter, Justin's going in is is the number two. Everybody, all, all all the questions about Justin Fields starting goes away. They go on our like podcasts like ours and stuff like that. But the questions to the team, the questions to Justin Fields, the question to the rest of the offense, they go away. There's no longer anything to ask. There's no reason to ask if Justin Fields is going to start week one because now Matt Nagy's told you he's not. If Matt Nagy says this is an open competition, every step of the way, every turn, the question everybody on his offense is going to get is who's going to start week one? Where's Justin Fields at with his progression? Is he is he is he ahead of Andy right now? Is he behind Andy? What does he have to do to beat Andy? That's all the questions you get. Why have the kid distracted with all those questions if you could by one sentence you can take them all away? I do understand what you're saying. I just I see a very Russell Wilson situation in Chicago developing in training camp and in the preseason. We will see. I just I think the kid's going to be too good, and Andy Dalton is average, middle-of-the-road game manager at best. And if that's the case, if it lays out exactly the way you just described, then Justin Fields is going to start week one or very damn near close to it. Because if, if he's that much better than Andy Dalton, they're not, they're not going to play Andy Dalton over him. I think we'll see Andy Dalton for about four games, three to four games, and we'll see what he can do out there if – he goes one and three over the first four games, and Justin's looking good. You'll see him suited up on the sideline, and they'll throw him in. I mean, we'll have to see. You know, I mean, it, it, at the end of the day, this season is not – you're not planning on being a Super Bowl contender this year. So if you're not, then winning and losing games doesn't – isn't going to dictate when you go to Justin Fields. They're going to if, – if they start the year with Andy Dalton – they will have a checklist, whether it's a mental checklist or a physical checklist that Matt Nagy has. And until those boxes are checked, you are not going to see Justin Fields. And that doesn't matter if they go one in 15 or one in one in 16 this year or eight and eight or 12 and four. That won't well, change here. I guess here's the biggest thing is the defense is aging, right? The defense is probably got one to two maybe one to two at most seasons together before they got to start rebuilding getting where, some where are they old at I keep hear I keep hearing people say this the last couple of days where are they old at Akeem Hicks is old Danny Trevathan's old Akeem Hicks is a free agent after this year Danny Trevathan got old. his replacement in Bilal Nichols that's if he can consistently play but that's Another topic. I mean, overall, this defense is not what it was two seasons ago. Can you agree uh, with that? Def- I think this defense could be better than they've been the last couple of years. You know, I wasn't a big Chuck Pagano fan, so I will say. I'm with- not a big Kyle Fuller fan. I think they're better without Kyle Fuller. Well, I'm not a giant Kyle Fuller fan myself either. I think that Jalen Johnson did have some rookie mistakes last year, but I think that he's going to step in and mold into that number one spot. And I've got high hopes for him. 
I'm just thinking realistically that this defense, yes, they've made some moves on the defensive side of the ball here and there in the later rounds, but this defense, the Robert Quinn acquisition, you know, he didn't play up to his potential last year. What, Hopefully what he does. He in, what if he comes in with a full offseason and he looks like Robert Quinn? Then great. Great for the Bears. But there's so many what ifs at this point. We haven't even seen training camp. We haven't even. I mean, but everybody, you know, everybody keeps, you know, yes, I know he was bad. And everybody only remembers what has what just happened. But, yeah, he was bad last year. But he also came in partway through training camp. Then you had things were very abbreviated because of COVID. Then you True. had him come into the start of camp with an injury. So he really didn't get, you know, ever really get going in the season. So there's, you know, at this point, all you can hope is that with a full offseason, he comes in and he at least can beat one-on-ones because Khalil Mack is going to get the double team. Akeem Higgs, everybody's so afraid about Akeem Higgs. When's the last time he played a whole season? That's kind of tailoring to my point about the defensive aging. Every time Akeem Hicks gets hurt, he's out for the year. You know, they're old at one defense. And Akeem Hicks isn't even that old. He's like 30 or 31. So He's like 33, but either way, he's not he is, he, extremely old. So Okay, so let's just say he is. So you're old at one defensive end spot. You replace him with Bilal Nichols, who looks like he's he's very capable of being a starting player in the NFL. So you replace him with Bilal Nichols. Done there. You get Eddie Goldman back this year. You're now better at nose this year. Uh, uh, Danny Trevathan is old at that other middle linebacker spot. So you're so you're old at one defensive end spot, one linebacker spot, and that's really it. Your corners are young, your safeties are young. So you're really you're really only old. Let, even even strong safety because I think they resigned to Sean Gibson. So let's just say you're old at, at one DN spot, one middle linebacker spot, or inside linebacker spot, and one strong one safety spot. So you replace Akeem Hicks if you, they don't resign him. You replace him with Bilal Nichols. All you're looking for is an inside linebacker and a strong safety. I, I mean, the defense. There's no reason this defense can't be good for ten years. There's no reason the defense can't be good, but they're not going to. This defense is probably never going to be 2018 elite again. Well, I mean, but, you know, Bears fans get really excited, and maybe it's just because we're in Chicago, so I don't hear a lot of the other fans, but they like to see a, a, a historic defense and go, yeah, well, we've never been that again. Well, that's, I mean, that's the probability of everything is when you're historic, you never hit that height again. This when you take true. the ball away like they did in 2018 – you don't do that again. You don't have that kind of – you don't lead the league, you know, in sacks and picks and everything else all in one year and then do it again the next couple of years in a row, in a row too. You know, um, I, you know, you just don't do it. And when you see it – but there's no reason that it can't be a top five defense in this league for 10 years. I don't disagree. I just, I just do have to think that the best seasons defensively are behind us. And if the offense steps up, that's fine. Ron's asking here, how much does Justin Fields play during the preseason? I think I according think he plays Nagy, a lot. He's, according to Matt Nagy, he's going to play a lot. He said that he said that Justin Fields is going to play a lot in the preseason. He's going to get a lot of action. He's going to get a lot of time on the field, and that's the priority at quarterback. Is not only is Andy Dalton getting adjusted to the team, but Justin Fields getting his time on the field during preseason. You know, so 
if if Justin Fields gets all that time that Matt Nagy's talking about, circling back, he's going he's going to dictate how this goes. If he comes in in the right. preseason and he's lighting the field up every time he's on the field, now you feel like you got Russell Wilson, you know, and you and you go tell Matt Flynn, sorry, bro, you're not playing. <laughs> but if he comes out and he's just okay and he's missing reads, he's not leading the team, he doesn't have good poise in the pocket, then you probably won't see him to start the year. And he's gonna, and you're going to know why Andy Dalton's out there. All they did with Andy Dalton was give themselves a, an option, right? It's a bridge they quarterback. Get, they get, But it's more than that. They gave themselves a, a, a security blanket because you, you can't, you're not going to get anything worse than Andy Dalton, right? You know, you now know you have Andy Dalton. So with Justin Fields, if he if he's Russell Wilson, then you you give him the green light, and now you're paying Andy Dalton five million dollars, which isn't out of isn't you know unheard of to pay a backup five million dollars. It's less than Tyrod Taylor's making. A oh, shit ton less than Tyrod Taylor's making. <laughs> or making if he comes out and Andy Dalton plays and he plays his ass off and he's starting every game and you pay him ten million. Well, you're, it means you're getting production because it's an incentive-based contract. It means he had to hit those incentives to get paid that money, which then you don't mind paying a starter $10 million if he's winning you football games. That's cheap money for a starter. I will give right. you that. So I, all they did was protect themselves because they couldn't know going into the draft that they were going to get Justin Fields at 11. No, And they bought themselves one more season. No matter what they do, I don't believe that Matt Nagy's out of Chicago at the end of the season. Neither one of them are. The team does not – Everybody's told you, not you personally, but I mean in general, has told the fan, the Bears management, they don't want to make a change. They don't care if you're upset with Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace. The draft that Ryan Pace just had, had, he bought himself most likely another four-year extension. Right. And realistically, if it pans out, it should. Right. And Ryan Pace is not going to go away from Matt Nagy. That's his guy. So those two are going to be here for the foreseeable future. That makes 100% sense. Really quick, before we wrap the show up, I do want to touch on Arlington Heights. So, obviously, it came out that the Bears had put a bid in for the acquisition of the Arlington Heights racetrack facility. Now, that still has to be approved. But not only did that come out, but it also came out that they went into partnerships with the casino that – owns Churchill Downs, I believe, which is the company that owns the Arlington track. What do you take out of that, Vince? Do you think the Bears are ready to move to Arlington Heights? Do you think they're ready to move out of Soldier? I think, and I said this two years ago, and I said it again last year, and everybody told me I didn't know what the fuck I was talking about, and I was stupid, blah, 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 blah. I said Ted Thompson is still with the Bears for one reason, Arlington Heights. It's a new stadium. He's here to get them a new stadium. He's here to make that happen. He's the money guy. That's his job. Ted Phillips. I'm sorry, Ted. Ted Phillips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Ted Phillips. Ted Phillips was is here. He still has a job. The reason he was moved out of football was because Ryan Pace is basically their president of football operations. They just don't right. call him that. He's the GM. But that they've made it very clear that Pace runs football. Right. So why is Ted Phillips still have a job? It's because he's the money guy. We said, what's the money guy? 
he's going to get them a new a new field, a new stadium. Everything about Soldier Field sucks, except for the fact it's Soldier Field in Chicago. Ron here in the chat saying Soldier Field is too small and crime is getting worse in Chicago. When they re when they redid Soldier Field, the park district went about it the wrong way. They Agreed. should have put a retractable roof on it. They should have fixed a lot of the problems with it. They did not. It looks Agreed. like a fucking spaceship. The whole thing was just bad. The park district has shown the Bears nothing but disrespect the entire time. They have, con- they have concerts. They have events. They have all these things on the field during the football season. And then you got to tear it up. I mean, we've seen them resod Soldier Field three times in one season. Which is crazy. You, I mean, you know, it's unheard, unheard of. of. So when you do all those things, you know, I, it, it's like that say you can only push somebody so far. So if you're the Bears, what do you, how what trust do you have or what reason do you have to trust that the Chicago Park District is going to make Soldier Field better for you? None whatsoever. So if you have a shot, and the Bears have all the money in the world. So if you have a, a shot to go to Arlington Heights and build a brand new stadium that you own. State of the art facility. State of the art. You now it's probably gonna have a retractable roof. It's probably it, gonna have a casino right there, it's too. Probably gonna have a Rivers Casino on site because you're in this deal with Rivers. Yeah, that's you, what it is, Bent Rivers. Yeah, you probably will have turf field. All the things that go into it. And now you look at like Dallas and these stadiums, Atlanta, all these new stadiums getting final fours and different things. Chicago is a city that everybody loves to have their events at because it's Chicago. Right. They just don't have the stadium for it. No. And that's you're, the thing. We're never going to get a Super Bowl in Chicago. So now you're Not talking the about stadium. Super Bowls, um, uh, final fours boxing matches, all these things that the Bears will make money off of. Yeah, draw extra Not revenue. to mention, they will not owe rent to the Chicago Park District for their field because they pay rent to the Chicago Park District. Not to right. mention all the other things that go into it. All that leads into there's no reason not to go there. And I've heard people say, well, you know, it won't be Chicago. It won't be the same. They can't use Chicago's name if they're not there. The The New York Giants and the New York Jets share a field in, in New, New Jersey. Jersey. <laughs> and Jersey, still the baby. New York Giants and Jets. You know, I mean, it's there's no reason you can't be the Chicago Bears playing in Arlington Heights. You, yeah. There's no reason. So there's, I just don't see any reason not – it reminds me not to circle back to you know the Cubs and everything, but it reminds me of the year the Cubs brought in Joe Madden. If Joe Madden doesn't become available, they stay with was it Renteria or whoever they had at the time. Yeah. If Arlington Racetrack doesn't become available, you stay at Soldier Field. Right. And you have no second thought about it. But this is a perfect scenario where the land has become available, just like you thought it might, just like everybody speculated it And now, not only have they made an official bid for it, but now Arlington Heights has now come out in the last couple days and said that they they have approved 
that site for a football field. Right. They have said certain events, certain things it could not be used for. They they have approved it for a, a professional stadium. So which, there's you. Go ahead. No, which that just tells you how much faith that Arlington right. Heights it, as all, a city has. Is that, moving in that direction. 100%. So to answer the original the original question, if it if I'm the Bears, I'm making every move I can to get there. And as a Bears fan, I openly support it. You know, I understand some people don't want to see them out of Chicago. They don't want to see them away from Soldier Field. You've got the lake and everything like that. I get all that. But there's just so much more that that stadium can be. You know, people regularly turn down tickets for the Bears because it's so fucking cold when the season starts. Oh, agreed. They don't want to go see the games. Or, you know, partway into the season, they don't want to go to the games. Imagine it being a retractable roof. You don't have to worry about that. You know, you see it in all these other places that have retractable roofs. The turf, everything. Not to mention, the Bears are making a, a this roster has been made by speed and everything else. They've done all of that to make this team fast and elusive and everything else that would help be generated by the fact that they are now playing on turf. So if you have all that, then why not go for it? Why not do whatever it is you can do to make sure that you can go to Arlington? Because, like I said, if Arlington Heights doesn't become available and you're just sitting at Soldier Field, you don't go, oh, well, shit, we're at Soldier Field. I wish I wasn't here. But when there is a better place to go and you can just – all you, it's just money to the Bears. The Bears have all the money in the world. So, to me, I, I'm all for it. I hope, I hope they get it. All that, I hope all that comes through. Um, you know, I just, as a Bears fan, I would love to see Super Bowls and Final Fours and National Championship games and all that stuff put into it because we are Chicago. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that it would be amazing to see a Final Four game in Chicago. I think it'd be amazing to see a Super Bowl be brought to this city for the first time. The sky is the limit, really, when it comes to the potential that a new stadium could bring to the Chicago area. I mean, it's so much more than just the game of football. But Well, I mean, and, you know, again, just, you know, everybody has a big deal about the Arlington Heights thing. The the San Francisco 49ers, do they play in San Francisco? No, they play in Santa no. Clara. 40 you minutes got, outside of. Right. You got the Dallas, the, the Dallas Cowboys. They play in Arlington. You know, so there's no reason that you have to play in Chicago just because you're the Chicago Bears. Oh, I agree 100%. And I think it's – we're, what, the third largest market, yet we're the smallest stadium? Right. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's time for a change. I mean, as much as I love the – as much as I love the history and, you know, the glitz and glam of going to Soldier Field, it sucks to get into Soldier Field. It sucks to get out of Soldier Field. Man, the working's horrible. If you take the train, you're paying $50 to get back to the train station after the game. And, it's, you know, the it's not like the stadium was knocked down and rebuilt, right? Like, they renovated right. it. It's still dirty. It's still old. It still has a whole lot of flaws to it. it if you're going to be this matriarch of the NFL and a, a main piece to the organizations, then you have to have a real stadium. And like you said, you're the third largest market with the smallest stadium. Why not be the, the third largest market with the largest stadium? 
Exactly. I'd be all for it. You know, we could easily pack eighty to 90,000 fans into, into the future Bears Stadium. I almost said Soldier Field. <laughs> we could easily pack eighty, ninety thousand 90,000 fans into a future Bears Stadium, sell the place out. It would be electric. It'd be more ticket sales revenue right. for the team. It would be obviously positive for them to get benefited from all the extra events in the off season and everything like that, that want to come out to the location. Not to you, mention you want free agents to come here, give them somewhere warm to play. You could come live in right. Chicago and not have to play outside. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. I mean, I'll tell you what, when I was at the playoff game against the Eagles, that was the coldest I've ever been in my life, man. You sit outside for hours. I went to a game when Mike Vick was I think he was with Philly then. Okay. And and no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was in Philly then. And they were talking about the wind and everything. And we were down by the field. So you really didn't feel it. But as soon as you went half the way up, you could barely even walk. The wind was knocking you over. Yeah. Now you're trying to throw a football in that. Like, no, you want to I, do all these things. And you want to be this fast, speedy team and have this great quarterback. Yeah. Well, put him inside. Don't make him play in 20, 20 below weather. That You know, Green Bay yeah. wants to have that great. Uh, you know, that's like everybody that says, oh, I need I, I need snow every year. The fuck I need snow for? I'm 35 I, years old. If I never see snow again, believe me, it'll be way too soon. Yeah, I'm happy without snow at my age. I mean, right. You know, so it it just is one of those things like everyone says, oh, it won't be Bears football. Fuck that. We, it's time for a change. Bears football needs to mean wins, not smash mouth, 20 below running and hard hits and all that. No, I just want Bears football to mean wins and Super Bowls and Agreed. all these things that we want to see. And not to mention a stadium outside of it that you're going to use for concerts and all this stuff that isn't going to uh, – you know, put the integrity of the field at stake just to have these events that the yeah. Bears don't make money off of anyways. Right. It's all going to the park district anyway. So, right. yeah, I so, mean, I personally don't see a downside to the Arlington Heights move. If it is something that happens, I think it'll be great for the organization. It'll be great for the fans. Arlington Heights isn't that far away. It's no. what, 20 minutes outside the city? Yeah, 25? I mean, it's not, you know, it's not like they're moving to wherever it is Allen lives that nobody's ever heard of. Watesca? Yeah, that's it. Out in the middle it's, of nowhere. They're not moving to Watesca. You know, they, they had the year they played in Champaign. They did all those, well, you know, well, the field was being worked on, did all those things. You're, you're going to be playing Arlington Heights. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing different than playing in Chicago, except right. for, like you said, they can make it easier to get in and easier to get out of. Yeah, the trains run right out there. You could potentially get right off a train, right. get into a heated enclosure, and walk all the way to the stadium without ever touching the cold in the winter. Right. All the, all the mistakes that, that were made from it being such an old stadium that they have now can be fixed with a brand-new facility. Yeah, and it's just one of those things that, in that case, I don't know, it's a no-brainer. I don't get the meat-headed bands that are like, oh, well, it's not Chicago. Not at all. You know, as you touched on, both New, new York teams play in New Jersey – uh, right. New England doesn't even play in Massachusetts, I believe. Uh, there's, as you said, San Francisco out there in Santa Clara. Right. There's a million examples and have been, you know, since the league's been around. There's no reason that these that the Bears fans are so hesitant for them to move out of Chicago. If it's the right thing for the team, 
which everything we just laid on the table makes it sound like a slam dunk acquisition if they can do it. I don't even care if they have to pay money back to the city of Chicago because well, they break their lease. Who cares? Well, and, let's, and let's be honest, the city of the Chicago Park District, the city of Chicago, Mayor Lightfoot came out and took her shots at the Bears. All, all they really had to do, they had the opportunity. They could have built a new stadium. Right. There was prime real estate across they, the river. They, that, they originally started saying we want to keep the, the pillars from the original stadium because it is Soldier Field. Cool. Do it. Build a monument with those. Whatever you want to do, build a brand new facility. Could have done it when they rebuilt Soldier Field. They renovated Soldier Field. They could have built a brand new stadium and had all these events, made all this money. The, the money the Bears will make off of other events being there, not to mention all the stuff that they will get 100% of the, of the profits on because they'll own the property and the stadium and everything. All the money they'll make hand over fish from there, they could easily pay whatever it's going to cost to break the lease. With Soldier oh, Field. Absolutely. Easily. I don't think that's at all going to be a limiting factor moving forward. So it'll be and, interesting to see. And now you've got a team that you think is going to be good. You get a team that makes a long playoff run. Like you said, you're fitting 80, 90,000 in the stadium. You're making you're making bank. You're, you're, yeah. you're raising the value of the Bears to even more. Why do you think Dallas and some of these teams are worth so much money? Well, they own the stadium too. Right. It's crazy to think that the Bears don't own their stadium. I mean – Right. In 2021, that's team. absolutely crazy. Right. To think that the Chicago Bears pay rent. The charter franchise of the right. NFL pays rent. It's time for a change. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's all I have to say about that. You know, real quick, guys, before we wrap up the show here, uh, we are going to take a minute to look at a sponsor video here from White Oak Farm Venue, and we'll be right back. Honey, will you marry me? Yes, yes. Let's get out of here. Come to Indiana's premier venue. Come to the farm. Come see all the wildlife. Come to White Oak Farm Venue in Michigan City, Indiana. Come to our 80-acre sanctuary right off I-94 in Michigan City, Indiana. Come see all we have to offer from two brand-new Amish-built barns with climate control. Come see the ponds with beautiful waterfalls, meadows and wildflowers, and so much more. Come see our secluded venue. After you enter our private road, you'll be in your own world away from it all, with outdoor ceremony spaces, wood-fired pizza ovens, and lots of fresh air. Come enjoy Northwest Indiana's premier wedding venue, where you gather with your family and friends. Stretch your legs and enjoy the most memorable day of your life. Visit White Oak Farm Venue at whiteoakfarmvenue.com or on Facebook slash Instagram. All right, guys, and that was a quick word from White Oak Farm Venue. That's where our guy Fat Mike's getting married, and Bruh. it's a beautiful venue. If you have the chance to go visit it, if you're looking to get married, please go sure go check them out. What do you got there, Vince? The fucking Bucks are up 77 to 45 at the half. Ooh, that was definitely something we weren't expecting. Man, just when you just that's what I get for talking shit about Giannis. He's probably having the game of his life right now. Probably, but you know what? At the end of the day, it's still only 1 1. Right. You know, and, they, and they're going back to Atlanta. So it's a series of seven for a reason, right? Yeah, absolutely. Fuck Giannis. I'm I with mean, you. I got your back. <laughs> I mean, all the all the game sevens that Michael even had to play in, you know, throughout his career. It's anything can happen, you know, 
in football, we say any given Sunday. Well, really, any night when you look at playoff basketball, yeah. there's the potential for something crazy to happen. Somebody just turns on the Jets, and all of a sudden they score 40 points, and you're blown away. Well, right. that's what playoff basketball is and should be. So we'll see how this game goes. There's still a whole nother half. Maybe they'll come back. Maybe they won't. But either way, even if the Bucks win this one, it's still only 1-1. One, one. So Exactly. A lot of basketball left to be played. But I'm excited to go catch the Cubs here. They're going to be yeah. coming on here in about 20 minutes and see what our Cubbies can do tonight against see the Dodgers. Jake, see what Jake does to my fantasy team tonight. Trashes it. No, I'm just kidding. Hopefully he look, doesn't. See, look at you. You're horrible. <laughs> I'm realistic, man. Come that's on, what that's man. called, not being horrible. But they, Real quick, guys. He uh, threw a no-hitter yesterday. Why can't he throw one today? Because Jake Arrieta is not capable of throwing a no-hitter. He just you, has to no-hitter for like you? five innings, and then the bullpen can no-hit him the rest of the way, just like yesterday. Don't <laughs> be so negative, Tarble. All right, fair enough, fair enough. With that being said, guys, you know, it's been a great show. We appreciate you guys coming in to listen with us. We got to cover a lot of different topics tonight. Thank you guys for being interactive in the chat. I want to say a big thank you to our sponsors, White Oak Farm Venue, Nick and Ivy Brewing Co., Jonathan Darren team with the Coldwell Banker Real Estate Group, as well as Mark Berardi and Associates. Without you guys, none of this is possible. So we appreciate you and thank you for what you're doing for the 1252 brand. Thank you to our fans again. Real quick, guys, uh, Lorenzo Hood had something come up and he was unable to join us tonight. We'll have to reschedule that. Uh, Lorenzo's a great friend of the show and, you know, things happen in life. We all get busy. Things come up. We get it. So, uh, Best of luck to him, and we'll catch Zoe soon, I'm sure, here. Probably within the next week or two, we can make something happen, and we'll check in with him and see how he's doing. But it's been a great show tonight, guys. Thank you again for being interactive. Uh, thank you for jumping in the chat. Ron, appreciate you. You know, Thank you for commenting and being interactive. And with that said, guys, hope you have a good night, and we'll see you guys again soon.